Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Examination Podcast, where we examine the Marvel comics that we both know and love. This week, we have... Three more issues from Don of X, the number three issues to discuss. Um, joining me this week, as always, is Dan Rainier. Hey, guys. And Kelsey Struts. Hello. Uh, we get the back half of the third issues, kind of finishing it up. Can't wait to compare, see what you guys think about these three issues. But first, let's hook up to Cerebro and find out what's new in the world of Marvel. Uh, did you guys see the House of X powers of 10 trade is out? No. Yes, I did know it was out, and I think I've I think I've seen the cover art. Yeah, it's a little different. It's exclusive to it. Is it is that the, the picture that you sent me a while ago? Yeah, I think so. Um I think Moira is kind of front and center and it's yeah. it's got a lot going on. That one so I think that's been my phone background for like two months now, so yeah. Or at least a while. The solicitation, yeah. It looking back on those, um that's kind of what got us started with our podcast. What are the big, big takeaway moments for you? Did did the series work when you look back on it and where we're at Donna Vex? Are there any parts that stand out to you as really setting the tone? Um, for me, I feel that Powers and House really raised more questions, which I think is its purpose. Um, it did change overall tonally i i i think with the x-men only because of the xavier dream stuff the 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 decision to be a little more pragmatic or practical yeah. with with the way Re- reclusive and yeah well, yeah but 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 embracing a more balanced approach i mean he's not necessarily ruthlessly exterminating humans but he's also decided well let's we are going to be, well, that the whole mutant and proud type behavior. It's like, well, we will live apart from you if we must and treat you as a, not always an enemy, but definitely. At least know, at arm's reach. Yes, you're at arm's reach. Yeah. Dane, have you enjoyed the, the strong arm approach they did with House of X and Power of X, getting that strong position of we have these uh, medicines and drugs that you need, we're, but the cost is we're going to put portals wherever we want, and we're going to acknowledge the fact that we're more evolved than you. Did that uh, did that set the tone right for you for the new X-Men line? I, I think we've talked about this or at least mentioned it, and it's that I could understand if you don't like the direction this has gone if you like if you're like this doesn't feel like x-men to me but i mm-hmm. think it did exactly what it intended to do this was the goal effectively yeah, yeah. this was the goal it, it kind of gives you a soft reset on the x-men and a segue if you want to jump in as a new reader or an old reader getting back into it and it sets the tone for what dawn of x has been so i don't think there's any doubt that in that sense they succeeded um, but it is, it's a, not, I'm not going to say a full 180 from who the X-Men are, but it's a hard 90 degree turn. And so, you know, if, if you don't like that, if that's not what you're in this for, or what you like about the X-Men, then I, you know, I could see that being a problem, but it had a, it had a goal, it had a mission and it accomplished that mission. I don't think there's any question about that. And may yeah, I, I, 
may I also bring up the Nimrod shell? I mean, now we know how to create a world mind. Back to the Nimrod True. shell, baby. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, before, we were like, oh, you just had to be really smart. No. You also have to make a space bullet and smash it into a planet. That answered questions I didn't know I had. <laughs> well, as, as far as, like, accomplishing your goal, being a true relaunch, being a new direction, I think you're right on House of X, Powers of Ten. Definitely did that. Which kind of takes us into the next news piece I had. Marvel's going to do some midnight releases at local comic book stores, kind of imitating movies. And there's four number ones that are coming out in April of next year. And I, I think it's April. And they're pl- it might be February, but April or February. And they're planning on doing midnight releases each week. I think it's Iron Man 2020. I know Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor 1. And I, I don't remember what the other one. There's, uh, there's a fourth book, but they're relaunching them all with number ones. And I think a valid criticism people have had ever since really like the Marvel Now era was the, it's a new relaunch. It's number one. Like, and you can't say that Hickman didn't really go for a relaunch. Like he didn't just rehash and go, here's a new number one. It's definitely a new direction. Yes. Yeah. There's no question that. that, I mean, this is kind of like a, you know, when things change from BC to AD, as far as a timeline goes, like that's what this is for the X-Men. This is the moment that I think even when we look back in 10 years, we're going to say, was that something that happened before Hox Pox or after? Like that's, this is a mark. And I, I, you know, you never know. It's comic book. Things could still change, but I suspect that's how we're going to be looking back at this. It's interesting. Like you look at the history of comics and when people take a 180, kind of like Hoxpox did, and go in a different direction, um, which might be an exaggeration. It might not be 180, but point being, it's funny when people try to do something new and get rejected, and then we get the same safe stories. It It's interesting, the balance, right? And I, I really don't know if X-Men is too different or not enough to justify you know, going back to the status quo, or whether they're close enough to it, but far enough away to still... Be the same. Yeah, but it's, I know what you mean because it would like even if you wanted to change, it would be kind of hard to go back now. You know what I mean? I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, there was a, a sharp turning point from what was going on before to what Hickman's doing now. I mean, we've even either joked or criticized the point that it was like he was like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no I don't care what's going on. Like, ignore that. You know, like that story just happened. It, this is such a big change and it's such a big shakeup and they've approached so much of it from the ground up. It really would be hard to to differentiate from this at this point. Yeah. And it's been so successful. Like numbers numbers wise, like they've had to reprint so many issues. And I think uh, Marvel's X-Men editor is probably feeling pretty good about things right now. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a this is a large scale thing, too, with the big release of all the different titles. And we have several more on the horizons. You know, we don't know which ones are going to get canceled or stop early or whatever. But it's a lot of X books coming out. And that's and they're doing well numbers wise, which is, is even if you're not a huge fan of the stories themselves, it's got to be good news if you're a fan of the X for them to have success. You also got to think of the difficulty of what they're trying to do, too. Comics themselves are, are, are a difficult medium, I think, to have success in, especially now with the multi-platform 
media that's available to individuals, especially when it comes to superhero stuff. I mean, TV, video games, uh, streaming television, uh, 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 primetime television, movies. That's a lot of attention to command away from basically the, I wouldn't call, I don't know if comics financially is bread and butter, but at least the foundation of the the stories. Yeah, it's kind of funny to think of like sort of maybe the neglected piece is the what some might consider the primary format for superheroes. Yeah, the bones. Yeah, people talk about the market with Hollywood and how it used to be all westerns and there was western fatigue and action movies in the 90s and that got fatigued and then superheroes are going to be the next thing to get fatigued, but what if it's not Hollywood that sees that fatigue first? What if it's the comic industry? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. it's it's definitely tough to keep it fresh. Um, I also think that's a great transition talking about another book, another team, and particularly the newest comic that they've announced is Hellions. We kind of talked about the cover of that. The full cast has been revealed. We've got Wild Child, Nanny, Orphan Maker, Empath, Scalp Hunter, and those are like the more oddball choices followed with the mainstream choices of Sinister, Psylocke, and Havoc. Kelsey, what do you think of this new book, Hellions? I have nothing to think about it. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> uh, the cover alone baffles me. I, I would say, I think something that's kind of interesting about it, because you mentioned kind of the three common core ones that people are going to know. It's funny because when I look at those three characters, it's totally just a random thought. I think of those three characters associated with the three of us. Kelsey, I think of you as a, a, a pretty big Sinister fan. I do like Quentin, I've always thought of you as liking like Havoc maybe more than the norm. And I don't think I've been quiet about the fact that I'm, uh, you know, a, a big Psylocke fan. So I think that's kind of interesting. But given that, there's a lot of filler on this team of, I mean, I guess they could become interesting characters, but I, I don't know. I'm torn because, like, I want to like it a lot. And I, I, I've been thinking a lot with this whole Don of X, like who are the new characters or the characters that are ignored? Cause I don't feel like, I don't necessarily feel like it's a bad idea that gives some more obscure characters a chance, but I, is this too obscure? Do you guys think this cast might nah. turn away some people? No, I'd give, yeah, I'd give it a shot. I I think your, your diehards will probably check it out just to see, you know, Ooh, scalp hunter or whatever, you know, just like, yeah, let's, let's check him out. I, I am interested to see if this book puts up the numbers that the, the launch for the original Don of X books. Cause I'll be honest, X four has the mini event kind of thing going for it. I mean, we could talk a little bit about what makes an event real and whether this is just like a short little mini series or actually something that's going to have consequence. And then there's, the giant size, which I think everybody's kind of interested in, but uh, is this book going to pull in a new audience? I don't, you know, I don't know a lot of scalp hunter fans out there that are begging for <laughs> supremo time in the comics. And it's interesting that you mentioned the characters that we haven't seen kind of a little teaser for this week is that I thought new mutants this week for me just reminded me of how many good young heroes in the X-Men are out there that I don't think we're getting enough of. And I, I really hope what was like sort of teased comes to fruition sometime in the, the near future. Well, 
we'll talk about that more because I definitely want to yeah. touch that. So let's go ahead and transition into our question this week, and then we'll touch uh, New Mutants later, and maybe that idea of younger heroes and maybe the direction some of the comics will take later on. Um, but this week's question is, what Pokemon partner would match well with each of the X-Men? So if imagine they were trainers. Who do you think are the standout Pokemon to X-Men trainers? So I had a fifth grade student ask this question um, because they recently <laughs> bought Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I, I thought it was hilarious and intriguing. And I don't know the new Pokemon. And I figured you guys didn't either. So I'm going to be honest. If you're a big fan of Pokemon, we're probably going to have the original 150, maybe a few exceptions. So um, outsourcing our, our <laughs> listener questions to your class. Well, the, I'll tell you what, Holy Team Emler's fifth graders are huge fans of Marauders number one. Yeah. As the, when, did you let them read this or how did they find it? <laughs> I, I was telling them that it was really good and I had a few go to the comic shop. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Homework so, assignment. He gave them. Yeah. Um, but let, let's go ahead and talk. Any standouts? Kelsey, anybody stand out to you? Who Who's that perfect Pokemon partner match? Who's the Ash to their Pikachu? Magneto. And Abracadabra, because he's bending spoons. There's okay. a magnet Pokemon, isn't there? There's literally Magnemite I, and Magnetron. I, 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 I haven't played Pokemon since I was a wee child, so <laughs> this is what jumped out at me. <laughs> okay. Dude, Kelsey, you're so old. You were like 15 when that came out. Yeah, That's... I was not. I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been like 20 years. Get over yourself. 22. I don't. I don't hate um, that comparison, though. Thank you. He kind of has the the elder thing going on, too. and I didn't want. I didn't want to do the obvious choice, like a friend of our, our blonde headed friend would choose of Magneto and Mewtwo because they're the most powerful. <laughs> I, I actually I, did think about that tonally and how they view things. That is true. I do kind of think tonally they they fit. What do you mean? Way. How they view things? But, Mewtwo is a slave. Both both treated like put into or controlled by humans and rejecting that notion and liberating their people. The superiority of, you know, themselves. Does Mewtwo liberate the Pokemon? Did you not watch Pokemon, the first movie in which he wanted to free Pokemon from their human masters? I, I think Kelsey not. and I may have been too old at that point. Yeah. Mm. We are elders. That one. We are elders, just like Alakazam. Uh, our game... We played Pokemon Red and Blue on the original Game Boy that you then would have to swap. You could trade for Ma Champ and Ma Chop, I think. Well, you, you had, had to, to trade for one. You had to have two people with a Game Boy, and you had to have a cord to do that. Yeah. Link cable, bro. With no, with no internet trading Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Link cable. What about uh, Wolverine and Sandslash? You guys think that one's a good fit? Because they both have claws. Or Sky Scyther. Right, Trying to think. Scyther is a pretty good one. Not just the claws, but Scyther also kind of always has that scowl. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had one that was a little... I was trying to think which one would work, and it doesn't quite... I don't know. It, I think it fits tonally more than it does like appearance and power-wise. But for Cyclops, I'm going to go with Arcanine. Snorlax. Cyclops Arcanine, huh? Yeah, because I don't scout kind of looking. Yeah, like they, good old boy. Yeah, sort. But they've they, you know, he looks like a leader. He's you know, he's got the the puffed out chest, and I think I think you see that growth from you know original like sixty Cyclops as a as a Growlithe to now 
He's the big man on campus. He's, you know, in charge of teams. He's running shows. And yeah, he does. He has kind of that, uh, you know, clean cut look about him in a lot of ways. You know, and there's, I think, kind of the loyalty thing of of a dog uh, in there and everything. So that was my, it, I, I like that one because it, it's not one where you're just like, you know, magnets, magneto sort of thing. Um or, hey, you know, claws. Hey, hey. No, you avoided the magnets. You avoided the magnets. I went with spoon bending. I'm giving you kudos. So that was the one that I thought about that with my limited knowledge of basically the 150. Yeah. Uh, what about Nitro and Electrode? Just putting it out there. They both blow up. That's all I got. What about <laughs> Snorlax and the Blob? Ooh, Ooh good call. Ooh, good call. Strong connection there. I think Charmander that one might be the cleanest Pyro. one we've had so far. You Charmander and Pyro. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I thought. Like it's some of the easier ones about just like fire to fire, you know, yeah. water to water, ice to ice, that sort of thing. Quentin, do you have a Colossus? Is the real question. A Colossus Pokemon, uh, maybe Kakuna. <laughs> had, had that Harden ability, why, if I remember right. Why Kakuna over? Uh, what? Metapod, Metapod nerd. there we go. I was trying to think of the Weedle one. Um, I don't know. Kakuna just always looked cooler to me. I would agree with that. I think that Kakuna looks more... The, the whole Weedle line looks more dangerous than the Caterpie line. Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> more edgy, more risque. Yeah, he. I mean, specifically, I think it is. Because one of them comes out of, you know, like a bee and one's a butterfly. Like... One of them, one of them, when you're ten, is clearly the cooler Pokemon. Yeah, it's the one with spike hands. What about uh, trying to think, Abra and and uh, Nightcrawler? I was actually gonna go with Ghastly for Nightcrawler. I think you need ooh darker turn. Yeah, yeah, I think you need that that dark. Uh, you know, he's kind of like the the ghosts are maybe the closest thing to like demony looking that they've got. Yeah, um, I, I was trying to think of the last one, and uh, I, like for Jean Grey, I kind of struggled with it, and I was thinking, first thought I had was Magikarp Gyarados, just because of her evolution, <laughs> but it just didn't feel right to have Jean Grey flopping around. So I, I was thinking maybe Eevee. Okay. Yeah. You know, Jean Grey blends into a lot of roles, telepath, telekinetic, red Phoenix, you know, normal Phoenix, Ms. Marvel. So she has a lot of diversity, but just, uh, you know, good old redhead from the beginning at her core. The question is, which version is Jolteon? Because that's all you really care about. I thought it was Dark Phoenix, the most powerful one. (laughs) Highest speed and special attack in the game. Dude, uh, Gen 1 Striker Extraordinary. I honestly cannot tell any listener how many times I have heard that phrase out of Quentin's mouth when debating Pokemon. <laughs> I have no idea if it's true or not. I just know I've heard it. I, I don't either, but I acted <laughs> like it was very... You believed it. That's all that often. matters. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go ahead. Head on down the Gray Malcolm Lane. Talk about this week's three issues because I'm really excited. I think we have a good mix this week of uh, both quality and types of stories. So let's jump into it. I want to start with X-Force number three. Uh, Once again, my Ben Percy. Um, And what do you guys think of the third issue of X-Force? 
I think the third issue has me maybe where, at least I know you, Quentin, maybe Kelsey as well, were in issue two. It's moved up quite a ways for me. Like I would say it's probably maybe my number three now behind New Mutants. This was the one that got me. This issue was the one that I think put X-Force over the top for me. Kelsey, did you agree that it needed a while to get running? No. Um, okay. <laughs> thank you for that. I feel, it, I feel it may have been the quickest to set a tone and has That's done fair. best at keeping the relative tone of being the the Black Ops group, but recognized by the kind of governing body of Krakoa. I think the X-Force comic has actually done more than X-Men or any of the others kind of on, on fleshing out the way that Krakoa deals with other countries in this in the in the under the table kind of method um and and gives quality time to again when we were talking about the hellions about often uh unused characters like black tom cassidy i mean yeah g- giving certain characters a, a a bit of uh panel time as it were and and it feeling right i mean just a a a, a good tonal um man i don't know how to explain no here, here's what i'll say let me know if this is kind of what you're thinking this book after three issues now that we're done everyone's had yeah. three yeah i know what this book yes. is and it feels the most developed in what it wants yes. to be and it, it, it feels like it has a, a a clear it feels like it has a clear drive like it, it it is it is establishing its story it's now established its bad guy it is now you know you it's set a purpose moving you can see the pieces on the board moving I, the the meeting like that the last couple of pages or whatever it was where there's where xavier's addressing the team mm-hmm. as like you know this is who you are you guys rose to the occasion you did what needed to be done this is your task that don't get me wrong i've loved excalibur as a as a whole, but that one, it was like, this is how you put a team together. Yeah. Felt like, earned. Maybe you took, yeah, it, it felt earned. It felt natural. Cause it wasn't like it was, you know, just like you over there, come join me for this plot that will occur. Like yeah. they were all doing their parts in separate instances, but this, you know, as the whole had to come together for this purpose that felt like this is a team. It came together naturally. They have a purpose in where they're going and this is going to be a good story. Like there's there's pieces moving, but there's questions still to be answered. Well, I agree with the slow burn. One thing I also thought made this issue and the series so far stronger is the voice that the characters have seems a little more coherent and consistent to me than some of the other books where I've had a hard time imagining characters doing certain things. Um, a few standout moments. Uh, Quentin Quires quips with Wolverine and Wolverine talking about the dream. And it was like, I mean, I've recently watched Wolverine, the X-Men and I could hear those lines coming out of Wolverine's mouth about still respecting the dream. Still like, you know, humans, this is terrible what the humans did, but 
Professor X also knows that mutants are just as bad. Yeah. That there's something yeah. that separates mutants and humans, but it's not ethics. That's not necessarily what we're talking about here. Right. There's good and bad in both. Yeah. And I think uh I, I liked hearing that voice from him. I like Quentin Quire still being kind of the ornery, you know, extremist that he is. Um, and then and then continuing on, even Beast and Jean Grey's conversation, their voices seem pretty strong too. Yes, to me. I agree with that. And that's the thing is this story in these three issues is sort of developed in parts, but it is going to – there's still the interest of how do these parts mesh in doing these tasks like i i don't expect it's always going to be the wolverine quentin choir pod the gene beast pod you know what i mean at yeah at I some point that. they're gonna have to integrate yeah and i think they will i mean i, I think they're coming up to that um i i like how they the, the idea of the impermanence of death now is a focal point for this x-force comic that they they've brought it up multiple times kind of um, and especially with Beast's last uh, conversation with Gene, you know, questioning, you know, is it is it good that you can be brought back like this? Doesn't it, you know, doesn't it cheapen it or cheapen the life? Things like that. And Jean Grey's response, I thought, was very good as well. Like her point of view on it, that that death makes one selfish because, you know, your life is fi- finite. But now that you know that you could be reborn brought back that you can focus on other people now i i the positive outcome based i think that could slip too you can think about the goal and forget about the humanity Mm -hmm. in it all i will say and maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing for you know where we could be i agree characters going i will say and i know like I think generally, tonally, and as a story, I'm a lot more on board. It That scene with Beast and Gene, though, the way that it started still bugged me. Because Beast said something in the effect where he's like, well, if we can bring Xavier back, then it, it opens up all these questions. And it's like, no, these questions have been there from the moment you started Resurrection. Like, I, it, it, I felt like it was trying to play again off of the death of Xavier. And it's like, I don't, I still don't understand why that, why Xavier's death in Resurrection is so much more special especially considering it seems like bringing him back wasn't all that much of a challenge. They just did it. Yeah. Uh, off panel even. Yeah. So I kind of had that critique two weeks ago or last week, but at this point it doesn't seem like that's necessarily going to be the focal theme or point. So I'm glad that they've wrapped that up in, in three issues. So that doesn't have to be my hang up and hopefully I can just enjoy a a good story. Fantasy points. Well, and I want to be fair because to me, there is that part where, you know, it's Professor X who died. So it's like part of the engine. There's the the five and Professor X. And they're kind of the catalysts that make resurrection possible. So they took one of them out. They're answering the question that even then you can't stop the machine. And then I do like that somebody's talking about it. I don't so hate that they're somebody's questioning it. Somebody's being like, wait, what are we doing here? Is this OK? And not necessarily disagreeing with it, but wrestling with that topic. Because other than that, it's just been. Nobody's talking about the fact that death is a thing of the past. And Beast, I think, is the perfect character to do that with, too. That he is a scientist, but he's also a man of morals. And so the question may not be, can we? And it may not even be, should we? But just, what are the consequences of this? Yeah. Yep. Um, Now, these characters are the first people who've... A criticism I've had of Don of X 
has been the lack of like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of characters who are just going through the motions and not challenging things like beast has and don't come across as like developed human, like humanized characters outside of the ones that are taken out of Krakoa very heavily. And so we've got like our new mutants who went off to space and, and they feel like a team and they feel like the good old days. I think X-Force is kind of starting to feel that way as they challenge things. But New Mutants takes another turn in number three. What do you guys think of the decision to lead the mutants in space and, and do a more back on Krakoa kind of story this um, week? At first, I was disappointed because um, I really was invested in what they were doing in space. Um, yeah. But I also kind of like New Mutants as a vehicle to really go into all the younger mutants, the the non x the non base x men mutants and start fleshing them out like the x men of the future um i i that have been the x men of the future yeah, for like there yeah they 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 yeah. they should be grown grown adults now but um uh, so it, it grew on me as it went the art was different artists changed brighter. for sure a um, more colorful comic kind of remind me of like some of the comics you'd see in the eighties or early nineties. Um, but, but I, I enjoyed it. I didn't know really any of the characters. I knew armor um, and Pixie. And that was about it really. Dane, what'd you think of their choice to follow armor? I I'm super happy to get into more of these characters because uh, like the first note I wrote on this was like, it's really cool to see armor and Herman Glob getting Herman. used. And I think these are interesting characters that we've seen used really well in the past that have great stories still to tell that may be a way to overcome some of this potential, you know, X-Men fatigue is like, let's, I mean, we've got characters that have good backstories. You don't have to start from scratch that have these this history and this experience, but you can also tell brand new stories and they're characters that you don't need readers to have a ton of background information with to jump right in with them, which I think is perfect for you know where we're at after Hox Pox and here in Dawn of X. It, I think there's been a, a, a strong effort to kind of soft reset and let people come in now and enjoy stuff and these are perfect characters that you don't need a ton of, you know, 50 years of history to follow along with and jump in with. I I would agree. I, I think it's been a nice way of tying in a lot of the other comics. Like, I like that there's kind of a smorgasbord. It's not just one team of young X-Men. And, and I thought New Mutants was an appropriate place to tell the story. Now, one thing behind the scenes is Brisson is actually the guy for this comic, um, not Hickman. Hickman steps off for this issue. Did you guys realize that? I did not. I didn't know. So Hickman actually, uh, this is according to Comixology, um, who I read a lot of comics through online. They, Brisson, for the foreseeable future, is doing issues three, four. So next issue is also going to be one of these uh, on Earth issues. And six, eight. And Hickman's going to do from now on the Shi'ar stuff without him. Oh, he does like space stuff. Hickman likes space. Hickman's doing five and seven with the original New Mutants, and Brisson's going to start doing his issues with these mutants. 
So it's basically two different comics just under the same banner because it's yes. got different writers. They're doing different storylines. And different art. They just happen to share the fact that they're dealing with. It's almost like, you know, Hickman has New Mutants, the title of the team, whereas Brisson sort of has like just new mutants. <laughs> Young mutants. Right. But it's, you know, it's these new characters. So I, I worry about this because I think issues like this and like Marauders last week can sometimes halt momentum on a week to week basis. Yeah. But oh, I'm so happy and so excited to potentially see more of these characters getting time, getting armor, you know, Herman Glob. I, I desperately want Pixie in a comic regularly. I love Pixie and I, I think she's an incredibly underutilized character. So I've got like, well, is it fair to the consumer the way they're doing it? Like, why why can't these be a why can't New Mutants be two monthly issues instead of one comic that's essentially two different comics? We're talking two different art teams, two different writers here. Do you think it might be kind of taking advantage of the reader that put these both under the same title? A little. Um, I mean, I think that because and maybe that's what it is. Is the idea is. Maybe they thought New Mutants would sell better, and this is the way to like integrate them. And hopefully, maybe in the future, they split. Uh, but I think there's been a little bit of that in general anyways. Because my understanding is the way Dawn of X is being collected in the trades is not like issues one through six of Fallen Angels, issues one through six of X-Men. It's going to be like a book of the number ones and then a book of the number twos, right? I, I think that's right. And if if that's the case... I mean, I guess there's the argument to be made. The whole purpose is this is supposed to be an integrated story. But it also seems like a way to say, hey, if you want to keep up with the collected editions, you've kind of got to buy them all. So, I, you know, yeah. I think that's at least an argument to be made. Uh, but, I mean, that also means we're going to get access to those collections far, far quicker than we would have normally. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I kind of appreciate the ambition of it. And I I never want to criticize somebody for being creative, but it's a it's interesting. Is this a business decision? Is this a creative decision? Um, what's actually driving this? I don't know. It's like what do you what what's fair to be critical of? Because I don't want to shoot down somebody's art, but I, I I just thought it was interesting. But getting into the issue before we start complaining about the logistics of things, I mean, I thought it was a good issue for the most part. Yeah, this felt like it could have been a, a different issue, just number one. And I would have loved it. Um, I yeah, I agree. I have one little nitpicky complaint. How many gangs have mutant power dampening weapons? <laughs> it does I feel mean, like some tech that's out there a lot. Like a basic street gang shows up with a bazooka that dampens powers. I, I mean, Why are humans so much smarter than mutants in this world? I know they evolve powers, but does it drain from their brains? Like you feel like mutants would show a little more respect if every street level commoner has a mutant dampener. Yes, every everyone, old lady that likes flowers. Yep, yep. She's got a mutant. She, yeah, everyone's got a power dampener. Everyone's got one. So my my question is, what are they so afraid of mutants for? It it is starting to feel like the the excuses for psychics in comics and superhero movies and stuff. It's like they have, you know, mental training. Oh, they have a mental dampener. There's something blocking the way. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like you hear Gene and Emma say that in everything. Cause like, otherwise that's just the ultimate power. It's like, just shut their brain down. Well, I liked, 
I, I liked the first X-Force, how they got around the island's defenses. You know, that they're just like, okay, we're going to just... Well, it was creative new. Nobody right. ever grafted a mutant skin onto them before. Right. That that was a cool new thing as opposed to just being like, oh, they must have mental training or there's some kind of cybernetics or, you know. Or I mean? my rocket launcher has anti-mutant gas in it or something. <laughs> yes. That, that one panel didn't feel like a child wrote it. It's my anti-mutant bazooka. Yeah. Boom. Um, I thought these enemies were kind of... Um, generic like a little just like a gang that doesn't like mutants um not not to gloss over beak but when you compare the the enemies we just got introduced to the poison ivy golden girls last week in x-men um (laughs) which i like that which characters uh which of the newest enemies so far that have been introduced throughout dawn of x do you guys think are the most intriguing to you uh, I like Zeno and I like Apoth, and I'll tell you why I like Apoth when we get to that issue. I would say, I don't know. Now I'm having trouble thinking of the other three, but I, I, at least of this week, I like where Zeno is going. Especially, they definitely do a good job. I think of their agenda at the end, sort of tying into social issues right now. You know what I mean? That they're they're going to be fighting through subterfuge. And through misinformation. And I think it does have a lot of allegoricals uh, comparisons to, you know, the political climate currently about the spreading of misinformation and uh, things along that nature. Yeah, I would agree. Those are the stronger ones. Um, We'll talk Apoth more. I do think I I think issue one of X-Men going to the House of X villains, um, the project, I think that might be the one I'm most intrigued by still for me. Um, a few others on the radar. There's Apocalypse's uh, separate island and the, the habitants of that. And then um, nobody brought up Morgan Le Fay. We're not really too invested in that one. Uh, actually, of that issue, I'm more interested in the Clan Akaba, the tie-ins with Apocalypse and um that storyline, you know, even going all the way back to like the uncanny X-Force stuff. That's yeah. a little more intriguing to me. Uh, but I, I'm not to say that I, I'm not interested in the Morgan Le Fay thing. It's like my mind was really just on this week's comics and villains, really. Yeah. Although I will say I'm ready for that, that Nimrod shell to come back. Gotta get me some Nimrod. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Um, I, I want to mention real quick. I would be a miss without bringing up uh, boom, boom and Sunfire's room. Anybody else find that hilarious? Um, do they have a relationship? I don't know. I, I don't know enough. I, I don't think they do. I I think it was just like a crush where she was just like creeping on him. Yeah, it's because it, it, it seems like she definitely knows they're gone. Yet it's like is actively, in, yeah, creeping in his room. So it I it's interesting because, like I said, I like that it is setting up for a cast of new heroes, which makes me think Boom Boom may be more involved going forward in the future or maybe i'm wrong maybe she just well, shook up she, for that. she's on the cover of the next issue to, oh she is to be fair yeah okay i didn't know um that. i, I okay oh, i was just gonna say i i do dig the teen story and i like i i just wish new mutants would have been a little more transparently like this is where all the young teams like if you want to see like who the next generation of x-men are like this is where they're at i think that is an interesting book and i just would have liked to see the inhumans be a separate book because i 
it's time for them to grow up a little bit. Not the Inhumans. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, I'm like, are some of these but people? No, I, I, I want to see the original New Mutants grow up a bit. Like, I feel like they deserve it. Like, they're more intriguing than a lot of the the X Men right now. No, I agree. Like right now, if you split these into two separate books, I think they would instantly be. I don't know what order, but would be my two and three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I don't think I don't want them to share screen time because it means I'm just getting half as much of each one, and I I want to see you know, the, the coming of these new, uh, new mutants. I was going to say like that I, now, maybe now I get why they combine these in a way, but especially the use of who I thought were interesting choices, uh, Maxone and, or uh, Manon and Maxine. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. that, that was cool. Like, I mean, that's like, wow, you pulled them out and beak in the same issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm glad they were able to pull out some some tricks. What kind of tricks did you think Fallen Angels put out? Kelsey, you seem pretty high on it this week. Okay. Let me let me say over overall on this issue for Fallen Angels, I enjoyed it. However, I agree with you guys a hundred percent on the let's just call it mistreatment of Kid Cable and X twenty three as characters and I would say Quantum too, but that's just me. Here's why. Well, I mean, we don't know. We what do we have to compare for Quantum though? Yeah, the Quantum. I mean, I just me... have the relatability of a human being. Well, <laughs> savage. Um, for me, the Quantum stuff, I- I'm willing to forgive in the idea that she is not a hundred percent sure if she truly is Quantum anymore. And she shows that in she, this she issue. She spent so your... much time with the actual style, with Betsy in her head, as her head, that it, it, almost like a Stockholm Syndrome. What, yeah, like, it's almost made her younger. Like, so much younger, she even looks like an infant sometimes. Oh, no, don't even start. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to that. I have that okay. written down. I, what, I, what I've enjoyed the most, though, is Apoth. Um as as a villain um it, it's a mysterious villain and that you 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 don't know exactly who or what apoth is um is it a robot is it mutant is it human is it neither is it from the other side um you know with the with Krakoa's uh sibling showing up does you know was there an opening that this Thing Apoth has come through. Um, is Apoth the the step before Nimrod? Because we still haven't gotten into that as being a possibility. Um, and to to go further into it, um, Apoth as a word for you know you can you can link it to apothecary which is someone who deals in, you know, medicines and potions, which would be like overclock or apoth apotheosis. Is that, is that correct? Dane, you're smart. Um, <laughs> that's a word, but apotheosis, which I believe is Greek for like the, the, the pinnacle of something. Um, you're at the apotheosis of it. You know, you are the, the prime, the highest point in the development of something there culmination or climax that, I think I, you know, I, I think that also 
it, it intrigues me. Dan, you're so to, smart. You know how to work out of Google. They're they're going into. I I, I think this villain has a bigger role to play in the general comics of the general X-Men comics than uh, possibly any of the others as far as long-term. Really? Cause I, do. I, I, I'm interested and I, I, I don't know if you're right for say, but I'll say like, he is straight rad. Like he, he seems like Skeletor straight got rad. his legs blown off. And well, stabbed with like metal two by fours. But that's not that's not Apoth, right? That he mentions he's a servant of Apoth. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that that guy was cool. And I I like okay. He's like a robot uh-huh. ghost. But the I I also enjoyed the memo from that in, in or or Apoth's beginning too, where Apoth is kind of explained. It's like you know, killing something, bringing something to life. You know, he, he has, there's no morality for Apoth. No, I, I I know so little that it's really hard to say. But but in the beginning, he, he starts laying it out, or she, we don't really know. I'll say that they at least did a bit to kind of tie it in to where he mentioned specifically that basically Psylocke in some ways is a mother to Apoth, which is interesting, yeah. at least in the sense that it's like, okay, maybe there's a mystery here that I care to figure out about because prior to that, there really hasn't been much of a connection to, to draw this in or draw this together. So that's at least something that mildly intrigues me about it. But this one, it does feel like the bastard child of the six books. This it's, it's the least connected, I think for sure to the, the grand storyline. And it, I don't know. It, Maybe it's I have a, a tough time looking past what I think is the mishandling of Laura Kenny X twenty three, and oh, that terrible handling, right? And that I think I that is really thing. tainting because that's a character I really really like, and I was thinking about that, and we've talked about this, you know, about maybe the characterization of some of these characters in this new Dawn of X, and I think really what it is is there was a concentrated effort in what we, you know what I've kind of described as a soft reset. To be like, we don't want you to have to have read, uh, you know, two dozen issues of of X-23 or All-New Wolverine for you to understand who this character is. So we're going to kind of reset it to maybe a more cliche, um, you know, characterization and just kind of go through that again for a new reader. And for somebody who has spent the time and the years with the character, that's kind of disappointing. Like, and I get it. There's probably a lot of people reading this who didn't read every issue of that. And so this is maybe okay, but it feels bad. And yes, Psylocke looks like an adult baby in some panels. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) That was tough to stomach. Yeah. I, yeah. And she's like, Hey, X 23, listen to me. Don't get distracted in battle. Right. It's like, what you're doing. <laughs> and it's just like, why why is Laura listening to this? You know what I mean? She is she is the best at what she does, like by genetic copy of Wolverine. Yeah. Why like, oh, you needed you needed Psylocke to tell you use your rage? Really? Yeah. yeah. I know you're fighting this robot, but hey, don't get distracted while fighting that robot. 
But especially for a character whose whole thing, I feel like, has been that growth away from just being a weapon, from just being a copy of Wolverine. Why now is this this thing about like, all right, just go back to being a rage monster. That's what you're built to do. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think that's been a problem across the board, though. Again, personally. I'm I'm saying my my. You're my, in it for the apoth. I think I think apoth has a big enough role in coming up. I don't. I I think apoth will transfer over when Hellion starts. Okay, I, I could agree with that because I I definitely think um, there's the Widowmaker and Nanny. And Mr. Sinister, and apparently their connection is all that they were rescuing mutant children from Sinister. And so children are a big part of Apoth's long game. Um, Havoc has like a mysterious childhood element to him even. Um, There's just a lot of variables and stuff that seem like he could be a part of of, um, that new comic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, especially you have a person named Nanny in it. Like that's... Um, but like the characterization thing, I know we've, you know, we've been harping on this a lot and it feels like, okay, maybe this isn't true to the character as we know it, but I don't even know what's going on with, you know, Quan on Psylocke because it was like last issue. She didn't even want to go on this mission. And now it's like, no, no, we got to leave cable behind. It's too important. And like, I guess it's supposed to emphasize how important the concept of, of child children and maybe her backstory that we got revealed in fallen angels one is, but it's like, what did she not think kids were in this village before? So I, I don't know. It's just like, at first she's like, we can't do this mission. That's dumb. And you're getting distracted. Now she's like, it's the only thing we got to do it. Nothing else. Leave cable behind. <laughs> I agree with that. Who also is kid cable. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> So I don't I don't know. This this one's kind of jumping all over the place for me. Kelsey, I think you're right. If there's something that can tie me into this, maybe it's that the mystery of of Apoth, but it's gotta it's gotta come front and center and feature itself quick because I'm I'm way more interested in the villains than I am the heroes right now. Dude, I'm only interested in Apoth's like henchman that is Skeletor missing his <laughs> That's that's why I'm in this book right now. Quentin's that's gonna what's tra- got me. Quentin's there. gonna trade out some draft picks to get him one one panel for Apos little uh, floating Skeletor friend. <laughs> All right, um, okay, guys. Looking back at the number three issues, uh, what's one thing you think will happen in the future based on what you read? What's a what's a surefire thing you think is gonna happen? Um, hmm, hmm, based on the issues I've just read. What surefire thing do I think is going to happen? Um, I I can go first. Yeah, you go first. I think that Quentin Choir and Wolverine are going to go lethal weapon from now on. Oh, so you think that is a duo that sticks? I, I think they're buddy cop. Okay, I don't I don't hate that. That's I mean that's been a good one even since Wolverine and the X Men. That's been a good pairing. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with this. I think Jean Grey messed up rebooting Professor X. Ooh, I like that. Yep, I think I I do. I kind of agree with you because it feels like it was just so quick and so easy that it was like, like they skipped it on purpose to do it later. Right. That it's like that. He, I don't know if they if if she messed up on purpose or on act. Right. Right. Or if she just screwed something up and doesn't know it. I think something's gonna be off. 
So not a a story prediction, I guess, necessarily, but maybe a production uh, is that I think we do. I think in the very near future, we get a split off of the new mutants sort of thing that we get a team. Maybe it's not one core team of like, this is your six, but we get a book that is cycling, you know, through rock slide, Herman glob, pixie armor, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I think, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I yeah. think we get a book that runs through that those sextant teams, maybe um, like that. So, and I, maybe that's just you know wish fulfillment. That what I'm was the redacted team, by the way? We don't know. It's redacted. Okay, <laughs> killing it by definition. No, no. <laughs> all right. Well, it's now time to put all that stuff aside and head to the danger room. This week, we have a Danger Room Challenge. It's going to require quick thinking and uh, all your creative juices to survive Danger Room this week. You guys ready for this week's challenge? I don't he know. Could no longer, he could no longer challenge us with 20 questions. He needs something. Well, duh. Let's get it. Right? Let's get to getting it. It is 9 o'clock at the time this recording exactly. You have till 9.03. In lieu of 20 questions, you're going to put your money where your mouth is. What comic do you wish could be a part of Don of X? What's the pitch? Who's in it? What are you calling it? And bonus point, if you include a memo, that would be appropriate for your comic. Are we doing this? Three minutes, quick pitch. What would your comic be for Don of X? Are we each doing one or are we? You're each doing one and me, your benevolent God, will judge it. And if you want to cater it to me, you may. Okay, looks like we're back. I can't wait to hear you guys pitch. Um, I'm going to start with, with the one that I had in mind. It's just like a sample. So my pitch is it's the X-Men cooking show equivalent. So it's a story about Blob. He becomes a cook who specializes in Krakoan dishes and creating them from fruits and animals grown on Krakoa. However, he gets banned from cooking tournaments because of his use of Krakoan different uh, types that other people don't have access to. And it turns out there's a big conspiracy where people are trying <laughs> to stop him from being a part of it. And, and we got to get to the bottom of it without eating people. So um, uh, each memo in mine would be a cookbook page that people could actually cook. Oh, interesting. I, I thought what you were going to go with was... It was a team that had to go out and acquire rare and exotic ingredients for Blob. That sounds better than me. I was, <laughs> I was struggling. I just, you know, I want to. I I started with the I memo, and I was like, "What if the cook? What if the pages were pages from a cookbook?" I don't. I don't hate that though. That like, yeah, that's kind of interesting. All right, so that that was mine. Uh, let's start with you, Dane. What would your uh, <laughs> what's your danger room entry here? Okay, so, I mean, I was just talking about it and basically begging for it. So why would I not pitch a new Young Mutants team, right? And so we just got this uh, kind of an, uh, you know, a, 
look into this of what it could possibly be. So I'm putting together a new young mutants team. I'm taking armor. Armor is going to be kind of like the young leader of this team in some ways. Pixie, Herman Glob, Beak, Boom Boom, and Manon and Maxime. So, I mean, people we just got great introductions for that they're a part of the Marvel Universe. I like the idea of Quentin Quire showing up sometimes as sort of like a, um, I don't want to say like a guest professor, because I don't see it as like a necessarily a school or something. But, you know, sh- like I imagine him appearing issue to issue, like kind of trying to show off for the kids. Yeah, like a, a protagonist, antagonist kind of guy. Like he's helpful. He's on the same side, but he's always a pain in the butt. And- Right. And like, ultimately, he probably teaches them a lesson, like maybe by accident. And it's not the lesson he thought he was teaching. And I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, try and pitch this, obviously, to get picked as the winner, is that we need to use an X-Men as their like sort of de facto faculty advisor. Uh, And we haven't got to see a lot of them. I don't know what he's doing. And he'd be great uh, putting together a group of kids. Why not? uh, Why not get some use out of Colossus here? He sort of serves as the, you know, their their check-in leadership that they, you know, he doesn't he doesn't maybe go out with them all the time, but if they need advice, uh, they come to Colossus. What a kiss mm. ass. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Catering a little bit. Hundred percent. Not catering, hiding from it. Catering, but uh that that could be the name of my comic too. <laughs> How do you put an X in catering? Yeah, I gotta find an X in there. <laughs> um, but anyways. Uh, well, you have an idea on what your memo would be? Oh, yeah, I do. So I forgot about that. I think throughout the memo, we mentioned this, that it was some of the good ones from last week. And kind of, for me, throwing back to uh, the Young Avengers through with Karen Gillan's stuff, is that it would always, my memos would always be group text with the team. But then there would be like acronyms or uh, initials of some sort used. And like Colossus never gets it. Cause he's old, you know, it's the yes. young, the young hip language. And he's like, just, you know, checking in, but doesn't understand what's going on. And then I, I don't know. I just imagine like choir pretends that he doesn't care. Like he's like, I don't care if I'm on the thread or not, but then like chimes in with stuff that I don't know. I, I just see a lot of opportunity for, for fun. With All right, Kelsey, threads. You, you've heard the young mutants pitch. Where, where do you go? I'm going with a comic for someone who is not on Krakoa, but should be, and they haven't mentioned him not being invited, and it's all going to be about how he feels spurned that they have not invited him, and looking to crash the party, and that would be everyone's favorite unkillable mutant, Deadpool. Okay, okay so you're going with the Don of X. What does Deadpool look like in the Don of X series? Uh, he looks like Deadpool in the Don of X series, and he's quite upset that he was not invited to be there. I mean, he has been put on no teams. He's not on X-Force. He's not X-Men. He even, you know, I think his memos could be like his applications for for several teams, including the, the new mutant. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I like that a lot. Like, and, and instead of doing regular memos, too, I think his would be in the version of Post-it Notes. I think he should apply the Xeno, too. That seems like something he would do. <laughs> Obviously. That- you're, you're right. I also like the idea of like the memo, like the page isn't going to be completely straight. Like it'll be off kilter yep. at an angle and you'll all, it'll, they'll all have like a Polaroid paper clip to them of him and like what he thinks his uniform would look like yeah. for that. Exactly. Team. 
Like there's just a full on like uh, Halloween store peacock. Him is a marauder. Him is a you know, and even even you could do the titles of that like Deadpool's Marauders, Deadpool's New Mutants, Deadpool's X Force. And it, yeah, and it's just whatever the costumes are all just whatever the theme is like taken to an yep, extreme. It's like true. it's just him in a Jack Sparrow yep. outfit for Marauder. Well, I guess I guess yeah, he could rotate through the other people's comics and be in the yes. background too a little bit. Would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> I that's good. That's, that's good. What I'm going with. You know, I was disappointed as we were talking. I just saw it, Dane. I was a little disappointed you didn't do Church and State, the Nightcrawler, where he comes <laughs> to terms with Krakoa and where his religion is. And you instead of the state with a T, you do the X symbol sideways. Ooh, how do you, how do you know that it's an X symbol sideways and not just a T? You don't. That's you just got to take it as faith. That's part of the comic. Oh, (laughs) nailed it! Oh, by the way, I forgot. uh, Ghost Apoth thing with no legs is on my team. (laughs) Well, with that, we've got a clear winner. No, uh, unfortunately, doesn't make it good. But you know what would make it better if instead of having young mutants, you just made it about the Hellfire Club out of nowhere. Well, yeah. Don't don't do this. Don't 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 stop the momentum of or my after, comic. It's a train at, rolling forward. Baby. After lots of decision, I, I'm gonna do the opposite, and I, I'm going with Dane's oh. pitch. But he has to get rid of Colossus. The problem right. is, Ooh. is I hate De- Deadpool's so overused. That's why I'm using him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's now, now all of a sudden it sounds interesting. That's exactly why I picked. I'm like, you know who's used a lot but has not shown up, and he's a mutant. Deadpool. All right, that's fair. That's fair. That's um, right. Well, now that was fun. Show up. Fun 20 questions entry. Um, next week, we will go back to, or sorry, fun danger entry. Next week, we'll go back to 20 questions. And then the week after, we're going to have several issues. I think we might even have four or five issues. I think it's five so next we'll, week. Oh, this coming week? Yeah, I think next week is five. Oh, man. Maybe I'm thinking the week after. But either way, um, we're so excited you're here. Uh, we'll try to hit the danger room next week if we have time. If not, we'll just see you right back here on Examination Podcast. Thanks for listening every week. And that's all I've got for this week. You guys got any last thoughts? See you next week. I feel I got ripped off. Deadpool is upset. <laughs> see you next week. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the Examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.blogspot.com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.